Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Welcome to Nature Spirituality with Selena Fox. This is Selena Fox, and tonight we explore water rituals. And I begin with a chant. Spirits of water flowing, spirits of water flowing, spirits of water shape with our bodies in the womb. 
we have a watery environment around us. As we are born, water breaks. As we come into the world, we need water to continue to nurture ourselves. And water not only is nurturing, but it's cleansing. One of the traditions of working with water in a sacred way is the cleansing dimensions of water. There is a wide range of cleansing water rituals. Perhaps the one that most are familiar with is taking a ritual bath or a ritual shower. For a ritual bath, typically the water is drawn. There might be some herbs, flowers, or what works best for most contemporary plumbing situations is to actually brew a kind of potion or tea, strain out the herbs and flowers, and then add that to the bath water, and to actually go and ritually take a bath can be relaxing as well as cleansing. For some people, the ritual bath is a ritual in and of itself. Now, across different cultures through time, some traditions so valued water in its cleansing forms that there were whole complexes, what you might call a kind of water temple cleansing or spas. The ancient Romans are well known for their baths, cold water, hot water, steam, and people would go to the baths and go through a series of different rooms and water treatments as part of their cleansing processes. Bath England in the UK before it became a well-known bath place for Romans, was an ancient Celtic cleansing and sacred water area. And now it's a World Heritage Site, people from many places and many cultures and spiritual traditions and philosophies go there not only to learn about this place, but yes, you can take the waters from Bath. There actually is a way to gather waters, and it was said that the waters were not only cleansing, but they were good for a variety of different purposes. One of my favorite forms of ritual bathing is when I get to visit the ocean is to go out into the ocean and experience the power of the salt water and the wave sounds and motions for cleansing. Some like to do their ritual bathing in a spring or a pond or a stream or a river, and certainly there are a lot of various bodies of water 
that not only are wonderful to meditate by, but um, in many places it's permitted to go in and commune with the water, do some cleansing, and do some recreation. Some ritual forms have cleansing and the form of hand washing, often with a bowl or a basin of water. And as one goes into a sacred space, washing one's hands, anointing oneself. Sometimes it also involves washing one's feet. And in order to enter a sacred space, one does a water ritual of cleansing. Some places um, have water used in multiple ways. So not only the cleansing piece, but water may actually be shared as a kind of ritual beverage. Often this takes the form of being in a ceremonial vessel, a chalice, and the chalice may be passed around if it's a small group or each person has their own vessel for drinking water or it might be some other type of beverage that has a water dimension to it, grape juice or wine being examples of that. Some find it helpful to do cleansing with water by entering a steam bath or a sauna. In some First Peoples traditions, there is something known as the sweat lodge, and it may be called different things depending on the tribe and the nation, but essentially water is an important part of those types of purification rites where there is water placed on hot stones that have been heated in a sacred fire some sweat lodges are in the form of a kind of longhouse. Some are in a more dome shape, such as made with willow, with blankets, or some other kind of coverings around it, so it's totally dark. It's actually, in some traditions, the idea of going into a ceremonial sweat lodge involves as one enters the space to pause part way in and part way out, its threshold, and to imagine that one's entering a kind of womb. So it's actually a recreation of a kind of birthing space. Um, each tribe that does some type of sacred sweat has their own kind of structure and traditions. And these are not only within North America, but Central America and some other parts of the Americas, you're going to find this. But you may find saunas or other types of sweat, sacred sweat ceremonies in other parts of the world. Probably um, in Europe, it's most known in parts of Scandinavia. 
And in more recent times, there have been a variety of different ways of working with steam, with working with hot spaces, producing sweat as part of a way of releasing physical impurities, but also spiritual blockages and stresses. Um, I've had the occasion to be in a variety of types of sweat ceremonies, and it really depends on the particular tradition. I've been in some traditional ways, and I've been in some multicultural types of sweats as well as in saunas. And I'd say the one thing that is in common is the idea that we're working with water and actually all the elements in a sacred way for not only purification of the physical body, but of thoughts and feelings, of one's way of being, of one's soul, and the idea of going through the process and it really does vary from tradition to tradition as to how long it is. And actually, most um, traditions, it's more of a process rather than an exact time amount, like clocks don't really um, determine the length in most traditions. But the idea is when you are done with the process that you reemerge, and often there is somebody of water nearby where one will then immerse in that. Or if it's in a place where there isn't a stream or a pond or a lake, then one would take some water and pour it over oneself. And as part of these purification rituals, drinking water between rounds is also an important thing. Some people will work with cleansing in the form of when it's raining. And I've been at a number of festivals where, summer festivals, where it's been quite hot and dusty, and as rain has come down, people have gladly gone out in the rain and danced and pranced in the rain. And here it's cleansing, it's cooling, it's refreshing, and it's fun. Uh, water is nurturing, and water can be a main ingredient for consuming a variety of concoctions. And I like working with herbal tea. I will have a large cauldron, an amberware cauldron. I bring water up to a boil. I'll take, usually it's fresh herbs if it's during the growing season, and I honor the water. And then I honor the spirits of the herbs and turn off the heat if it's flowers and leaves or if it's roots. We'll keep boiling it, but a lesser amount of heat. And stirring in the herbs, not only to let the ingredients flow from the herbs, but what is the intention? So the whole idea of creating herbal tea or an herbal potion, which is an herbal tea with intention, it can be a really powerful ritual in of itself. 
one of the things that I have done over the years as I have taught herbology and herb magic is to have a very large cauldron, bring some water to a boil, and have everyone be part of the honoring of herbs, the gathering of the herbs that will go in to the cauldron. We'll have a big lid set on top, and so the water's really hot in there. And then when the time comes, each person adds some herbs to the cauldron, and then I have a really large a wooden spoon and uses that as a kind of wand, not only to stir in the herbs, but to put forth the energy, the intention. And then once everyone's had a chance to contribute and to stir together, we use that wand as a collective wand and energize the whole solution, then put a lid on top of it and let it steep for a period of time. So personal potion and herb tea making can be a kind of water ritual, and collective herb tea and herb potion making is another wonderful thing that can be done. And once you've made an herbal concoction, then straining off the herbs and then either consuming it right then and there or chilling it, or drinking some of it and preserving some of it later is another kind of water ritual. So you have the making of the potion, and then you have the consumption of the potion. Not all potions are made to be consumed internally by humans. Some people will actually use that for bath water or will pour it on a garden to add some extra vitamins and minerals and nutrients to the soil. What are some other water rituals? One that I really enjoy doing is spending time at a particular body of water. At Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve, we're located in the Driftless Bioregion of southwestern Wisconsin, USA, we have a variety of different water places that are sacred. As you go into the land is our wetlands. Now, wetlands are marshy and mysterious in a way, and yet they are so important for the environment. They actually serve a filtration process as well as being an ecosystem that has a variety of creatures and plants that are all part of it. And one of my favorite water rituals in the springtime is to go down to our wetland, sometimes myself and sometimes with others, and spend time listening to this wonderful wetland full of life, the spring peepers, and a variety of other creatures making sounds. We have springs, water bubbling up through the earth, and some springs are year-round, and we have several of those at Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve. And the one that most people are familiar with 
and that gets the most visitors is Bridget Spring. And Bridget Spring not only is a place where creatures come and visit and nurture themselves, it is a healing place. We've done some cleansing work there and rites of passage work there, but our main focus of Bridget Spring is for healing work, and I'll talk a bit more about holy wells and sacred springs in a few moments. In addition to having springs, we also have a stream that goes through our property, and we had the opportunity to actually name our stream, and it is named the Stream of Consciousness. Yes, thank you, William James and Psychology. Basically, a name given to how our consciousness flows. So, yes, Stream of Consciousness flows through Circle Sanctuary land. But there are some other forms of water on our land. Recently, we had the opportunity to get a new well. Our old well had completed its lifespan. And so going down deep into the earth and connecting with the aquifer and connecting with beautiful, sweet-smelling, um, sweet-tasting and smelling, a wonderful water has been really fabulous. And so we have water below the land that we use as drinking water and for watering our gardens and other needs. And another form of water at Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve is the form of mist and dew and precipitation. And it's fabulous to be able to connect with all these different forms of water, each having their own special meditative qualities to them. Being at Bridget Spring and seeing the water bubble up, it's wonderful for scrying and divination and meditation as well as healing. Being along the stream and hearing the sounds of the water rushing and flowing, that's its own kind of wonderful meditation, meditating on the mist. And one of the real beautiful things in the warmer months is when the evenings are cool and the days are hot and a mist settles along our whole valley. And it's been a wonderful opportunity to connect with liminal spaces by experiencing mist and listening to the sound of rain, being present with the rain, and, of course, taking water from our land and watering plants and uh, using water in a variety of ways is a really a longstanding part of our not only practical life but the spiritual dimensions of that. We... Um, I had a gathering a number of years ago, and I got a wonderful bowl of water, and we used 
the bowl of water, water from our land, to aid us in doing some release work. We sat in a circle, and there had been some challenging things happening nationally. And as the bowl went around the circle, each person had a chance to express their sadness, their anger, um, their perspectives, and let it flow into the water. We did full circle, and then we went to the next part of our ceremony. And at that time, our septic system was what's known as an at-grade system, and we headed right over to our septic system and poured the water with what we had released into that watershed that would filter the water and dissipate it. And then we took the bowl and ourselves off to Bridget Spring and gathered fresh water from the spring that was symbolic of rebirth and renewal and resilience. And we anointed ourselves with that water. So we went from a releasing part to a time of rejuvenation and nurturing, all within a multi-part ceremony involving water. Bridget Spring is, has become a place where people go when they wish to pray and express wishes for healing for themselves, for the planet, or it, it may even extend to helping to bring about some helpful transformation for a situation. And one of our traditions is to bring a ribbon and to have a ribbon represent what we seek in healing for ourselves or another person or situation. And we tie it on a grapevine hoop that's suspended over the spring. Now, this is our version of a really old Celtic tradition, and it may actually even date back pre-Celtic times and cultures. It's known as the Clutiwell custom in some parts of Scotland, Wales, and other parts of Europe, where strips of cloth, ribbons are tied often on a tree near a holy well or sacred spring as a kind of prayer ribbon, a request for healing. And one of the traditions we've developed is to take a ribbon and dip it into the spring as a way of connecting with the spirit of that sacred place and that sacred water and make our wish and then to tie it on the hoop right next to the spring. And it was said that by doing this type of prayer work around a holy well or sacred spring, uh, this was a way of sending forth that request to the divine so that it would manifest. And we have continued to work with that custom at Circle Sanctuary and have been in touch with people from other parts of the world that have their own versions of this. 
in talking about sacred springs and holy wells, um, it wouldn't be complete without talking about the ritual of gathering water. In this case, it's really important that if you're going to be collecting water from a sacred site, um, whether it be a spring or a well or a pond or a river, that you really get some information from those who are caretaking the place about protocols regarding that. Some people will gather water from a holy place and then take it back and use it in other kinds of rituals. Some people will release water at a holy place, and it's important not only to find out about the protocols of doing this kind of activity, but also get some information about the water quality. It might be a long-established sacred site, and so there's a spiritual dimension there. However, in over the last 100 years, there's been a real growth in the development of different things to nurture the land as well as pesticides to get rid of problems on the land. And when you have poisons that are killing off some kinds of plants, they can get into a water supply or a water table. So it's not only good to check out the spiritual protocols, but get some basic information about the quality of the water. If you're going to be using it on your body, you're going to be working with it in a sacred way. Another thing about sacred wells and holy springs is that it is a tradition to honor the spirit of the watery place before taking any water from it, and to do some kind of offering. It could be the expression of a prayer or a song. Um, some cases, people leave objects, if that's part of the protocol of a place, and as a way of honoring the space, asking permission from the space, and giving thanks to the space in connection with water gathering. I have some water that was gifted to me from a sacred well, Chalice Well, in the UK. And on special occasions, I'll take some of this water out and put some drops in a sacred chalice as a way of bringing some of the power and the connection with that sacred place. I have water from other parts of the world that are part of what I call my Waters of the World collection. And in this little bottle, I have some water from Bridget's Well at Kildare in Ireland. So I'll demonstrate um, honoring Bridget, Bridget's Well, the spirit of water. And then I'll take a few drops. And imagine that connection from that sacred place flowing into the bowl, which in turn can actually serve as a representation of that well or a watery place itself. 
I also have a, a vessel where I have gathered water from a variety of sacred rituals and places I've been at where they're mixed together. And when I'm taking part in some international interreligious ceremonies, especially for planetary healing, I tend to take some water that's actually from that collection of waters that I've had over time. I had the privilege of being part of a First Peoples ceremony that opened up the Parliament of the World's Religions in Salt Lake City, Utah, back in 2015. And some of us in the ceremony were gifted with some water that had come from different sacred places from around the world. And what I ended up doing with the waters I received was sharing them with some other people as well as adding them to my collection of the waters of the world that I use on special occasions. If you're going to do that type of work with water and having some special waters that you use to energize and to bless water that you've collected for a ritual, then it's really good to get a glass container, not plastic, and some type of tight-fitting lid to keep the evaporation down. Um, and there are so many different traditions and ways of working with water in this way, but I've, I've found it as a really wonderful way to link different ceremonies and traditions together that have as a focus healing and well-being for specific situations as well as for the planet as a whole. What are some other water rituals? Playing in water. So, yes, there are water parks and that type of thing, but for many people, swimming, bathing, going to the beach, going to the lake, going to pond, um, canoeing, riding on a boat, there's so many different ways to interact with water. And when I go and visit the ocean, it's usually the Atlantic Ocean, and if I'm going to be staying there for a while, one of the things that I seek to do is not only be at that liminal place of sand meeting ocean and to experience the beauty of the waves coming ashore, but if possible, I look for some type of boat or ship that I can take a ride onto the ocean. And one of my favorite things about riding on the ocean is to be able to, I usually I'm with a bunch of other people that I don't know, so I don't belt out the chants real loud, but I call to the ocean as a goddess. And one of the forms of the ocean that I have alignments with, that's a whole other story, but essentially um, I connect with the ocean mother in a variety of ways and across a lot of cultures. One of her sacred names which is strong in many Afro-Caribbean traditions, Yemaya or Imaja, different pronunciations depending on where in the world. Uh, but I 
will call on her, I'll honor her, and I typically will take tiny quartz crystals with me on the boat ride and under a full moon, that's one of her symbols as well, to be on a moonlight ride on the ocean, calling on her and giving her a gift of a small crystal, casting it into the water. Well, some of her symbols are sea creatures, and I have had some really amazing experiences connecting with dolphins as I've gone out in honored Mother Ocean. And I do think being able to experience different bodies of water in different ways can be a ritual in itself. Yes, you might call it entertainment and recreation, but it's a really powerful way to link in with the water element. I've also had the experience to kayak in what some call brackish waters, where the water of the ocean connects with fresher waters. And so, yes, there's fresh water, there's salt water, but there's the in-between, and there's a wonderful island in eastern shore Maryland, the eastern shore Virginia, known as Assateague Island. And I've had some really fabulous experiences kayaking with my husband out in the marshes and watching the wildlife and to experience the beauty of the water. I'd like to talk about another type of water ritual. And this has to do with the need to clean up the waters on the planet and to work for safe, clean, abundant water, not only for humans, but all beings. A number of years ago, one of the Ojibwa, Ashinaabe, or Chippewa, that's also another name for those first people's grandmothers, um, was in Madison, Wisconsin, and I was one of the spiritual leaders invited to be part of an interreligious service that started out a particular form of water ritual called a water walk. And a number of years ago, a number of, of grandmothers, elder, wise women from that tribal tradition and community in the U.S. and in Canada walked the entire perimeter of a lake or a body of water with a group of people carrying water in a copper container as a way of honoring the body of water and to bring awareness about the need to have clean water and the importance of water it's literally carrying water around the body of water. And I'm so thankful that I had occasion to be part of that while that particular grandmother was alive. And it itself a sacred ritual to have a water walk. There are other ways 
of bringing awareness about the need to have clean water. And uh, I've encountered people who do kayaking uh, activism and showing up in places with signs helping to raise consciousness uh, about the need to clean up water and protect our waters. I do think we need to keep ourselves educated about what is happening with water, especially in this time of climate change. And humankind really does need to bring some change to their ways, our ways, so that we mitigate our negative impact on the environment, that we stop polluting the oceans and the streams and the lakes and the bodies of water, doing rituals to raise awareness about protecting water is really important. And I've been part of a number of endeavors to really help not only raise consciousness, but to move things forward in a political way to preserve sacred sites and safe drinking waters. One of the problems with fossil fuel has been pipelines. And not everyone who's involved in that fossil fuel industry really cares about what kind of leakages happen into the environment. So whether you're talking about Standing Rock or you're talking about stopping Line 3 or Line 5 in the Great Lakes area, there is a real need to build not only awareness, but to take some political action to stop the pollution of the land, of the air, of the water. We really need to shift to cleaner forms of energy, sustainable forms of energy. So I invite you to consider ways that you can increase your own awareness about water issues in your particular local area, but also globally as well. So some water rituals going from cleansing to nurturing, having some fun, doing some healing, and working for the health of our planet, of our environment, of the water. I'd like to guide you on a short meditation now for those of you who would like to journey in this way. I'd take a few moments, center yourself, and we will have a chance to connect with the spirit of water through meditation. And in the next few moments of quiet, as you take some deep, slow breaths and center yourself, experiencing your body, resting comfortably wherever you may be, I invite you to focus your awareness now on the word water and silently repeating it over and over. Pay attention to what comes to mind as 
you focus on water, water, water. Pay attention to what's already in your memories, in your consciousness, your imagination with water, water, water. And now call to mind a memory of some place where you've connected with water in a wonderful way. Imagine yourself being at that place. And as you imagine and call to mind that place, Connect with water and let the spirit of water from that memory bring you a message, a word, a phrase, a sensation that can help you link into wonderful connections with that form of water. We honor the water of past experience. We give thanks. And now spend a few moments being aware of your own body Experiencing the moisture in your mouth, wrong saliva, experiencing your body is not only flesh, but as a container that has water, not only in our blood, in the circulatory system, but in the different processes within our own body. Spend a few moments honoring the water that is within you. And give thanks to the water that's part of you, your body, your life. giving thanks. And now as we take a third part of our journey, we journey with imagination. And we imagine ourselves going to a holy well with fresh, magical water. Imagine yourself standing by the well, honoring the well, connecting with the spirit of the well, of the water that is in the well. 
and imagining the water spirit of that well rising up and being before you for a few moments. And the water spirit asks you, invites you to make a wish. So call to mind something that you would like to see happen. Express it to the water spirit and let love flow from your heart to that water spirit as it flows down into the well, taking your wish into the watery realms to let it get in motion to be granted. Giving thanks to the water sprite, to the well, to the wish and wishing. And now, as you shift into the here and now, know that you can work with water through the power of imagination. Working with water in its actual forms, working with water in symbolic forms, as chalices and bowls and shells and other containers of water, springs and wells, and working with water in mythic ways, in the form of water sprites and other water creatures, mermaids, mermen, water spirits, water horses. There are so many different forms of water and ways to connect with them. We celebrate, we appreciate water in nature, water that's mythic, water that's symbolic, water that connects us. We give thanks for water. We give thanks. I'd like to share with you a chant that came to me as I've done some work with land out in these parts. I'm in South Central Wisconsin, southwestern Wisconsin, an area known as the Driftless Bioregion. Because the glaciers came down throughout the Ice Age, split, and then rejoined and skipped a whole corner of southwestern Wisconsin, a little bit into Iowa and Illinois and Minnesota, but primarily in Wisconsin. So it's a very unique geological area, and I really appreciate having Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve here, my own home and land where I live with my husband that adjoins Circle Sanctuary land. Well, one of the things with climate change is that all sorts of weather patterns have gone a bit awry as planet Earth and the biosphere is seeking to adjust itself. 
Um, and simply the warming has changed air currents and so many different things. And yes, the planet is heating up and ice caps are melting and there's other things connected with climate change, including really intense weather experiences, storms getting more intense and droughts getting more intense. Well, last summer and to a certain extent part of this year, with this part of Wisconsin's been in what's known as a moderate drought. And there's a whole host of things connected with working with weather in sacred ways that are kind of beyond the conversation right now. But one of the things that I do think is a kind of water ritual, and it's something that's done across a number of different cultural, ethnic, spiritual traditions over the ages, is to do prayers for rain when there's been drought. So I've worked with this chant over time, and it's not a demand for it to rain, but it is a way of being part of a process calling for rain for a particular area. And what I like to do when I'm doing the chant is to have some water and to actually do what some people call sympathetic magic, where you imitate what you want to see happen. Bring healing, nurturing rain. Bring healing, nurturing rain. Bring healing, nurturing rain to this land, to this ground, and the region all around. Bring healing, nurturing rain. Bring healing, nurturing rain. Bring healing, nurturing rain to on the ground and the region all around come healing nurturing rain come healing nurturing rain come healing nurturing rain so be it so if you are in a place where lack of rainfall is a problem, learn about it, um, and honor the water spirit, and find ways to join your prayers with those of others to help restore balance. Yes, wishing doesn't necessarily make it so, but I've known through years of working with spiritual practice that prayers can get answered. And I think recognizing that we are part of the biosphere, we're all interconnected. And when it comes to water, it's really important not only for nurturing ourselves, but others. And being able to appreciate the water that we have, to celebrate when we've been in need of water and it comes, and sometimes, yes, 
there's too much water, in which case we need to make sure that we get into drier spaces and not deal with deluges. We're all interconnected, and I do think as part of a water ritual, let us find where the water we drink from comes from. The water from our faucet, do you know where that comes from? And if it's from a reservoir or a city water supply, what um, do they treat the water with? Do they put things in it? How fresh is the water? How often is it tested? And if it's coming from a water source nearby, what else is tapping into that? What have water awareness is a really important ceremony I see in a form of spiritual practice. And unfortunately, in some cases, problems with water quality and water scarcity have made headlines. And it is important that we keep ourselves aware, not only in our own local area, but be aware of our interconnectedness with each other. And certainly, part of a way of honoring water and deepening our resonance with water as an element is not to contribute to water pollution. And if you happen to see some industry or some people actually putting garbage, uh, polluting water, or you see some water quality problem, be sure to find some environmental group to have a conversation with and to see what can be done. Humankind needs water, and water needs us to be responsible. So let us give thanks to the water in many forms that's in our lives and in the world. Spirit of the water, we thank you. Spirit of the water, we thank you. Spirit of the water, we thank you. Cleanse us, nurture us, inspire us, teach us, help us, Spirit of the joined together at Water Rituals tonight, and for more information about Circle Sanctuary, you can find us on the web, circlesanctuary.org, and I have a variety of different workshops and chants and rituals at the Circle Sanctuary YouTube channel and at Selena Fox YouTube channel. Plus, I have materials up at the Circle Sanctuary website and here at my main page on Facebook, Selena Fox Updates.
so as we move into the next part of our life, let us be more water aware, water appreciative, and let us join with others so that there is abundant, safe, wonderful water of many types, not only for us, but that greater circle of nature of which we are all part. We give thanks. We give thanks. We give thanks. So the month of June 2022 will soon be upon us. And in June, for my Nature Spirituality podcast, you will have the opportunity to get to connect with summer and the sun because summer solstice is coming. We're going to have some encore podcasts for Nature Spirituality as well as my other podcast show, which is on Sunday afternoons, Nature Mystic. I will be at two festivals in June, the Pagan Unity Festival, June 2nd through 5th in Tennessee, and I will be at the Pagan Spirit Gathering June 19th through 26th in Missouri. So I have no idea right now what the Internet connectivity and situation is going to be via cell at those places, but if I'm able to do some pop-up live streams, I hope to be able to do that. I wish you all a wonderful evening or day or afternoon, depending on where you are when you're tuning in live or later for this. I want to give thanks to our podcasting team, David and Jeanette Ewing for engineering and station management. They also do podcasting, as does Laura Gonzalez and Deborah Rose and Char Bear. I want to give thanks to our whole podcasting team and all the other people who are part of the Circle Sanctuary as members and ministers and volunteer staff and I give thanks to all of you who have joined live and later. Bright blessings.
Sanctuary Network Podcasts, presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow the Nature Center paths. Join us here throughout the week for various programming connected to the community around the world. And please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash csnpodcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites, such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. And until next time, many blessings.